you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer with big design small budget here's your host betsy helmuth time flies when you are having fun designing guys it is great to be back with you this week I hope that your houses are looking lovely. I hope that they are filled with January sale items from all the amazing discounts that are taking place these weeks of January. But now that we are moving into February, no more sales. It's time to use what we have, times to mix things around, or time to splurge on some of the new items that are hitting the shelves that are super exciting. I, for one, also love February because I get to see what's coming up. I get to check out the trends. And on my bonus episode that I am recording right after this, I am going to share some of the hottest trends we have coming up for 2019. Frankly, a few of them surprised me. All right, let me dig into the old mailbag and see what's been going on. So Matt has written me. Matt says, hi, Betsy. I love your show. I'm about 30% way through them now. And I love your book. Your insights are so down to earth and you're not afraid to do a little smackdown. I am a very handy guy and I can accomplish a lot with my years in designing museum exhibitions, but I have a blind spot for my own interiors. Listening to your podcast during my commutes has started to make things more clear for me, but now I am ready for some very pointed questions. We are moving from 1,500 square feet to a 2,000 square foot house. The new space is painfully stucco suburbia plain. We are looking to inject character wherever possible starting with the band-aid colored walls throughout. My first question, can I put wainscoting into our characterless stucco house? Would it be too out of touch with its character? I'd like to do crown molding throughout as well. I realize it's hard to answer this well without pictures, but just general thoughts would be great. All right, Matt. Let me just say that you and I, we are living parallel lives. When I moved from Brooklyn to the suburbs, I said to my real estate agent, I said, I am open. Ideally, I would love a super charming, ornate Victorian, but I'm open. However, the one thing I absolutely will not look at, the one thing that I do not want is a stucco home because my husband and I had also considered moving to California and there are so many stucco homes and I was like, no. I don't like it. And it's just a personal thing. I mean, a lot of people love stucco and the maintenance 
issues are minimal, and there's so many reasons to love a stucco home. Personally, it's just not my bag. I don't like the look. I don't like the color. I don't like the texture, you know, and of course, we see lots of houses. We're shopping. And which house do I fall in love with? And by in love, I mean madly, passionately, deeply. I fall in love with a stucco home. And now I myself live in a stucco home. And I myself don't love the fact that the exterior is pretty characterless. You know me, Matt. I have added a lot of character inside. But externally, she's not so pretty. I've had to glam her up with some landscaping. I've constantly got on my mind adding shutters to the windows. I'm just always thinking of ways I can doll her up because she is not a looker from the exterior. That being said, I like to think of this as like falling in love with a mate or a partner. Because when I was looking for a partner, I had a wish list of lots of different things I was looking for and deal breakers, non-starters. And one of the big things I was looking for is dark hair. I don't know why. Don't ask me why. But dark hair, dark eyes, I'm really drawn to that look. And that's what I was really hoping for in a partner. So when I went out dating, I had this strong opinion that that's what I wanted. But of course, that is not at all what I felt in love with. I fell in love with the antithesis of that. He had white hair with maybe a touch of salt and pepper. He has light hazel colored eyes. And it's hard to put out there these superficial things like I want him to look like this. I want my house to be made of this. When really what matters is that they're a match for us in so many more important ways. Whether it's your partner being great for your personality or whether it's your home matching your budget and the interior needs. I found that in both cases, I was really asking for something that was very superficial. And I became more fulfilled by choosing something that I would never have even considered looking at previously. So I love that you also stayed open. But that doesn't mean we can't try and approve upon our selection once we have it. So you know I'm constantly trying to prove upon my husband. I'm not asking him to dye his hair because now I'm a huge fan of the gray. But, uh, you know, little ways that we can make him better. Add some wainscoting here, some crown molding here. And, of course, in my home, I made some bold paint color choices and I've added lots of other things to give it the personality it did not innately have. I think you can certainly put wainscoting into your characterless stucco house. I mean, stucco has its own type of personality. Mine happens to be a very old type of stucco from the 1920s, so I could put in wainscoting and it would look really natural. Yours might be more of a Mediterranean look or more of an 80s type stucco, in which case wainscoting may look like slightly more of a stretch, but it can also be a very transitional look, which can work well with stucco. So I'm open to you doing that. And I'm also open to you doing crown molding. I mean, neither of those things are super character-filled. Neither one of those things point to a very specific era. I think you're okay adding those elements, especially if it will make you feel better. My one caveat is that you need to have a 
a cohesive look throughout the space. So if you're adding wainscoting in one bathroom, maybe you think about adding some molding on the wall in another location. If you're adding crown throughout the downstairs level, make sure that you consider adding it in the upstairs level so it doesn't just stop artificially. Your next question was, Betsy, our inspiration piece is very multicolored. So far, we have picked out a light grayish for the walls, white trim, muted teal, rich ochre, and the third color is up in the air. Does a third color come to mind with these two colors and with this neutral? I am ready to execute your 603010, but I need a little help. All right, so you've got the deep teal as maybe your 60%, the rich ochre as your 30%. Both of those are very strong colors. Now, it depends on what your general style is. If you're generally quite playful, I could see adding a hot pink to that equation. If you're more subdued and reserved, I could see adding a rich emerald. You know, you've represented both cool tones with the teal and warm tones with the ochre, which is a shade of yellow. So... That's not leaning me towards one way or the other. And really, when you're pulling from that inspiration piece, if all these colors are found within it, you know you're going to like the palette because you like the inspiration piece. I really don't think you can go wrong. And then, of course, you guys know that I have recently updated my book. It is on shelves as we speak. It is under a new name, has new pictures, and refreshed tips. But it is not a completely new book. It's what they call a re-release. But they allowed me to make a lot of changes most re-releases do not get. So when you open it up, it will feel really new. And in in it, I do share some fresh takes, right? My opinion on certain things has changed. I've become more forgiving in some areas. I would say I've just become more forgiving in general, a little more flexible. Is that what happens to us in our old age? But also, you know, with this 60-30-10, I'm open to you doing that 10% in a neutral tone. So if you wanted to go with a charcoal gray or if you wanted to go with a rich camel brown, I think that that could be lovely too and would be somewhat more current because I'm noticing that a lot of my recent clients want to use less color. And so I'm accommodating that by making their 60, 30, 10, one neutral. So hopefully that helped. All right. Now you also mentioned that you were considering the Radley sofa and the sectional specifically per my suggestion, but would it look weird or be too tall if we put new slightly taller legs on it? We prefer a comfy sofa and enjoy the legs on the Macy's Keegan, Maya, or Ventroso. That being said, we're not tied to Macy's. Okay. I have the Radley sectional, as many of you dedicated listeners know. I love the comfort level. My whole family adores this sofa. We adore the performance fabric. There's so much to love. I hate, hate, hate the legs. They are squatty espresso wood that truly makes no statement and makes this very comfy couch look chunky and clunky. Additionally, it's like two inches off the ground meaning that lots of toys, lots of game pieces, lots of playing cards get stuck into that couch and I really cannot access them unless I break apart my sectional and lift up my sofa. And I will have you guess how many times every year that happens. Uh, If you guys are guessing at home right now, the answer is zero, zero. Uh, So stuff just gets lost under there and I cannot retrieve it because the legs are so low. That being said, the sofa is very heavy. If you were to artificially put taller legs on this sofa, 
First of all, it might look a little top heavy because it is a chunkier style. Second of all, it might actually collapse. It might have some structural integrity issues. There is a reason they're putting these nubby, low-to-the-ground legs on this big, slightly oversized sectional. I don't think it would be a great idea for you to change out these legs. I think what you're going to want to do is just look for a different sectional. That being said, most of the time when a sectional is on delicate legs, delicate meaning three inches or higher, it oftentimes is not quite as squishable, as jump-inable, as hyper-comfortable. And you guys know about my experience with the West Elm Peggy sofa that had the beautiful six-inch legs that I love to pieces visually, but that my entire family did not respond to from a comfort level. You really sometimes need to choose which route you're going to go down, comfortable and chunky, thin, delicate, and a little bit stiff. Now, one store that does this hybrid really well of less chunky sofas that are very comfortable with high legs is Room & Board. My concern with Room & Board are the price points. Just so super expensive. If I, you know sat on my sofa and drank wine as I do, I would have some anxiety about doing that. And that is a priority in my life. It's also a priority in my life that I have guests over and we eat hors d'oeuvres and my, you know, OCD isn't kicking in and I'm not monitoring their every crumb. And that makes me feel better about having my Macy sofa too. Is it cost a quarter of the price of what I would have paid at room and board? And I know that maybe it's not the be all end all, but it's fulfilling my needs for now. So Matt, I hope that helped with some of your upcoming purchases and feel free to send in some after pictures. We want to hear how it all turned out. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and The Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. My next question comes from Karen. Karen writes, Hi, Betsy. I have discovered your podcast and I have been binge listening for the past week. I love your upbeat personality and how you have been able to break down sophisticated design into simple rules. I would love your input on my family room. It's a large open concept room that connects to the kitchen and morning room that I am using as an informal dining room. 
My first question is the layout. I used to have the sofas in an L shape and the brown chairs were in front of the gallery wall. I found that we were not sitting in the brown chairs very much since you couldn't really see the TV. This layout works much better for usability but wastes a lot of space. I completely agree with you. Not only does it have a big waste of space, but also I feel like the two couches that are opposite each other, that are no longer in that L shape where one of them faces the fireplace and TV and the other one faces the gallery wall, I feel like they're rather ill-fitting. The one wall is a little bit small for your sofa, so the wall that has the gallery wall is not very long. I mean, I'm going to say, just on a visual guesstimation, that it is eight to nine feet long. And that sofa is six to to seven feet long. So it's really filling the entire space. And as it's placed now, it's actually overlapping the open walkway and it looks too big. Um, On the other side of the room, the sofa is in front of the windows and it doesn't look too big, but it also looks weird to have these two brown chairs kind of floating in the middle of the space. Now, I hope that the brown chairs are where you primarily view the TV because that's basically what you're doing from them. There's no other reason to put them in this kind of cumbersome central walkway area unless that's what you're doing. I would be inclined to shift back to put the two sofas in an L shape and to put the two leather pieces, the leather um, their armchairs that are on a swivel base that is silver. I would be inclined to move those back under the gallery wall. Or you could split them up Totally. In fact, I had this other idea. The room appears to be very deep. There's a lot of space to play with. I would put the sofas back in the L shape so that one of the sofas is in front of that wall of windows and the other one is floating in the space facing the fireplace and the TV. And then you can break up those two chairs, putting one on either side of the fireplace. Again, you're not going to be watching TV from these chairs, but a lot of people get so stuck thinking that two chairs belong together in this very tight relationship. And I don't feel that that's a case, especially with such bulky chairs. I mean, these chairs have a wide footprint of probably three feet by three feet. They need a little bit more space than I feel you're giving them. And maybe a little more visual gravitas by splitting them up and giving them own their own zone. Now, you had also mentioned that you have some other questions. And you say, my room is also very blue and white. I'm planning on painting the room something similar to Repose Gray, but I still haven't found my inspiration piece. I would love to bring in coral or a rich yellow as an accent color, especially because my husband wants the morning room to be something cheerful like yellow. Help! Now, you know that I am going to tell you that you've been designing backwards. You know, you picked these pieces that you really love, but you don't have that cohesive color palette that comes when you start from an inspiration piece. Now, you already have a secondary color in here that's very prominent, even though you feel that the room is primarily blue and white because those are the pillows you have chosen, and that is the trellis rug that you have chosen that is really big for the room. I mean, it must be 9 by 12 at least. But the other piece in here that is giving this room some color is this red cabinet and it looks like an apothecary cabinet looks like it might be holding some of your media like dvd players or a record player or something 
And that red is not inconspicuous in this space. You're going to have to use that as one of your 60, 30, 10. Now, because the blue is cool and the red is warm, we've got both represented. So that really leaves you open to doing another color, but it needs to go well with blue and red. I don't think that coral is a great fit for blue and red, and certainly people prove me wrong. Send in your pictures of your red, blue, and coral rooms. I think yellow feels more organic, but my concern with adding yellow is that your blue is rather primary, your red is rather primary, and we know that the three primary colors are red, yellow, and blue. So it feels a little predictable. It feels formulaic and I'd rather have something that feels slightly more um but the key is to not use our brains to think what color would be more unique the key is to find an inspiration item that you guys both really love that incorporates blue and red and then from there there will be another color that organically looks great in the inspiration piece that you will pull for your 10% pops Karen, I hope that helped. Let's get to your next question. My other issue is I have lots of paintings that I have collected over the years. I love them, but I'm trying to resist the urge to hang something on every free wall. I have the gallery wall on the left, but I need to hang something on the opposite wall for balance. I'd appreciate any feedback you have. So yes, as we discussed on the left, you have the gallery wall and on the right, you have that large wall with windows. And I think what you need is not necessarily art, even though you could use a little bit more art, but you definitely could use some window treatments, adding drapes that add a splash of color be it the red, the blue, or that third accent color, will really give you a lot of visual interest on that wall without feeling the need to incorporate a ton more art. Because you have that gallery wall that has a smattering of nine paintings or pictures, and then you also have the mantle that's filled with framed pictures. So too many areas where there's multiples of imagery I think becomes a little overwhelming. I would be inclined to embrace the drapes instead and to really choose something that adds a color, not just to go for that darker shade of gray than the wall color. So I challenge you, Karen, to find some drapes that bring in that pop, that visual interest, maybe even something with a pattern. So it could be a neutral with some kind of stripe, like a red ticking stripe. Oh, that would be great. A red ticking stripe on a neutral background with a grommet curtain framing each one of these windows would be delicious. That's my two cents. Let me know what you choose and let me move on to Michelle's question. Michelle writes, Hi, Betsy. I discovered your podcast several months ago and I have enjoyed listening. I need your help. I may very well be in for a Betsy Smackdown, but I am at a loss as far as my living room layout is concerned. I'm attempting to add a fireplace to my room. So earlier this week, I began shifting all my furniture around. I have, this is why some of the art in my photos is not hung properly. My home is an open concept living space. It is five years old. When we had the house built, we ran out of funds for the fireplace. We had our builder make us a bump out between our living room windows so that we could one day install a fireplace. Fast forward to today. We have a mantle. I plan on painting the mantle crisp white to match my trim and add tile where needed. I will either purchase an electric or gas fireplace insert 
or I will choose to paint the interior black and use this mantle decoratively. We've planned to mount our TV above the fireplace, but I feel this is simply too high. I struggle knowing which item should be the focal point of the room, the fireplace or the TV. This is our only living space and it functions as a TV viewing area, play area for the kids, dogs, and our living room. I am open to purchasing a new sofa and an armchair or a pair of armchairs. My husband wants to keep his leather recliner and he is insistent that the TV should be in a prime location as should his recliner for optimum TV viewing. I'm going to paint the entire living space of the home in Benjamin Moore's Revere Pewter. I also feel that our end tables are dated and our lamps are too tall. I've arranged this furniture but plan on switching out some of the pieces. I'm wondering, do you think this room can accommodate a fireplace plus a TV? We are asking for a lot from this one space and I am at a loss here. I am open to any suggestions you have as terms of the layout and furniture placement. This is my first open concept home and the furniture placement has been tricky for me. Thank you. All right, Michelle, I don't mind a TV above a fireplace. As many of you know, I have my TV above my fireplace. My room is quite deep, so it doesn't feel like I'm sitting in the front row of a movie theater when I'm watching my nightly shows. Um, but you do need that depth in order for it to not feel like that, or you need the TV to be angled down. My concern is not that your TV in this room is too high. It's that the area between the windows, the area above the fireplace mantle, is too small. You have taped off what you want the TV to look like, the size of the TV you're hoping for, and it is awfully close to your drapes. It is awfully close to that window framing, and it looks scrunched. On either side of the room, you have two very large walls, either one of which would be perfect for your TV. In fact, that's where you have one of your, that's where you have your TV now, excuse me. What I would be recommending and what I often think about when we have two focal points is I think about a sectional because a fireplace is, of course, an organic architectural focal point, even though in your case it's relatively inorganic because you've added it later. But... Um, a TV is a more contemporary focal point, and we want to see both of these pieces from the main piece of seating, which tends to be that sofa or sectional. Now, when the two focal points are in different places, we need two arms of the sofa so that we can sit on either one and see what we want to be looking at. And that means that you would use a two-sided sofa to see both focal points. And one side of the sectional would be facing the TV and the other side of the sectional would be facing the fireplace. That would be my recommendation, and then you could fold in the leather recliner as needed. Now, I would challenge your current placement because you have currently put the two armchairs and the TV on the longest unbroken wall. And instead, you should have the biggest piece of furniture, which in your case is going to be a sectional, on the longest unbroken wall. So based on these photos and just an initial three-minute assessment of the space, I would put the sectional arm on that long, unbroken wall, have the other arm coming out parallel to the fireplace, and put the TV on the smaller opposite wall, so that way the weight in the room feels more properly distributed. You don't want to have this really big piece of furniture on a smaller wall that's broken up with windows and doors. So that's my two cents, Michelle. Let's see. Let's see. That was 
pretty much what you wanted to know. You also asked about Revere Pewter, or you you didn't ask about it. You just said, this is what we're doing. And I think that's a nice choice. It may be somewhat gray with those deep chocolatey armchairs. Um, but I think it will help offset the warmth of the drapes, which are currently a lively geometric pattern in red on a beige background. Uh, the good thing about Re Revere Pewter is it is a grayish, but it does lean more gray than beige. So I just want to let you know that, and I want to encourage you to do samples before you dive in. All right, Michelle, I hope that helps. And guys, keep sending your questions. I love them. Uh, you can send them to Betsy at affordableinteriordesign.com. Additionally, I have mentioned my book, which is in re-release and dropped just a week ago. If you would love a copy, you can go to affordableinteriordesign.com. You can buy it on our website. I will sign it for you and ship it out. And... Um, yeah, I think that's most of the news I have for you this week. So until next week, happy designing. Oh, the other thing I wanted to mention is that I'm going to be creating a bonus episode directly after this that focuses on trends for 2019. If you want to catch that, you need to become a premium member. Go to affordableinteriordesign.com and you will see all the information to become a premium member and get access to our archive of nearly 50 bonus episodes, including my latest release. And I will catch you next week. Bye. You've asked for it and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.